Hey, so welcome. It's John Stoddard uh, with the Top M&A Entrepreneurs Podcast. And I have a guest this time. It's Dominic Wells. I don't know if you've seen him on uh, Mighty Networks or Facebook, but uh, Dominic resides in Taiwan. How you doing, Dominic? Hey, yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, so uh, Dominic Wells, uh, are you, uh, what's your background? I mean, you're, are you from uh, U.S. or where are you from? I'm from the UK. Yeah, I oh, from the UK. Just outside of London. Oh, very cool. How did you guys, how did you pick Taiwan? Um, short answer is my brother's wife is Taiwanese. Uh, we came here for their wedding in 2007. And I had just graduated from uni. Um, and I wanted to go live abroad and maybe teach English or something. So um, my three weeks in Taiwan told me that it was a good country. Uh, the, the salary was okay compared to teaching English in Europe. And um, there was kind of the safety net of having her family here. So I just went, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll go for a year or two. Um, and then 2008, the, the last recession started and I thought, well, maybe I'll stay a bit longer. I've got a job, I've got a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I basically never left. Very cool. How, how did you get into acquiring e-commerce businesses or any business? E-commerce is a specialty, right? Uh, more like content businesses. We, content. we have some okay. e-commerce, yeah. Um, that's a long journey, I guess. But in 2012, I started learning how to build affiliate websites. Um, I basically was done teaching. I didn't, I didn't want to teach anymore, but I wanted to stay in Taiwan couldn't speak Mandarin. So I thought, okay, let's try and figure out internet marketing. Um, so I started building websites and then started selling some of them. And then I realized as I got more money, suddenly I realized, wait, if you buy businesses, they're pretty cheap. Um, because I think when I first discovered website flipping, it was like, okay, if I buy this business for 30 K, it might make me a grand and I, w I wouldn't really be excited about a grand a month, but I would miss 30K from my bank account because I didn't really have much. Yeah. So I, I didn't really get it. And then when I was a bit, I was, I was a bit older, I had a bit more money and I had like 100K to invest. And I was like, should I buy stocks or whatever? Suddenly I went, well, well hold on. You can get like 30%, 40% by investing in websites. And I know how to run them. So I should just spend money there instead of, the stock market um, capital allocation man put your money where it's best loved yeah yeah <clears throat> and so so that's what i did i just started spending my own money and then uh i had I, I already had an audience because i had a previous business where we we did some services for internet marketers and so i had some audience members who were like hey yeah i've got money but i don't know how to run these businesses so can i can i buy a business and hire you to run it um and I was like, yeah, you can. And so that's how yeah. I started. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, sure, yeah, I'll just, I'll take like a percentage of the growth and a fixed management fee. And and um, and basically that led me to start on Folio in 2000. Now that is a fund, right? That's a, that yeah, acquires business. Yeah. It's more of a holding company now. Holding um, company. Yeah. 
Yeah, so originally we just started out doing these services for investors, like, so like high net worth people that just had some money to deploy. But then we realized it's a lot better if you can spread the money around multiple businesses. So instead of like we might have 40 clients, all of them own their own business. And then if one of those businesses dies, it's a pretty good track record, um, but it sucks for that one guy. Whereas yeah. if all 40 people owned a 40th or 40 sites and one site dies, no one even notices because one of the other sites would have taken off. Um, yeah, yeah. So we were considering a fund, but we realized we wanted more of a kind of permanent capital structure. We wanted to be able to just buy businesses and grow them and hold them forever and not worry about the cycle of a fund. And so we just said, okay, we'll, we'll be a holding company and people can invest in that instead. Yeah. So let me, let me go back to the, the Epic part. Now, which Epic group were you, you in? Two. Yeah, two. So yeah. yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah Why did you join this? I mean, if you were already doing acquisitions pretty regularly and, why did you join? Um, two reasons, really. One, at the time, I was thinking of making a course about buying websites because some of my audience members wanted a course. So when I saw Roland was doing one, I was like, it's probably going to be really good, so I'll check it out. And, and uh, about a week in, I was like, oh, there's no way I can do a course because I couldn't make it anywhere near this good. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I was just curious as well, because I thought to myself, yeah, I already know all of this stuff. I don't know how to do it out of, like with no money out of pocket. Um, but if this is what is my passion, and I think the Epic challenge was like $47 or something. So I was just like, I, you know, if I learn one thing, it's worth it. And it's, it's worth, that's worth it. Yeah. I, I'm not, it's not just a hobby for me. So, you know, it made sense to try and learn as much as I could. And then yeah. I signed up for the Epic, uh, the next thing, the Accelerator, because again, I was like, I'm sure I can get, I think it was two grand or I'm sure I can get two grand value out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And did you? Uh, yeah, I think I probably got two grand out of the challenge, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> I, I bought a couple of businesses and I, um, rather than just paying all cash, I negotiated um it wasn't no money out of pocket, but I negotiated like 30% of it um, as seller financing. And so that was worth about 200 grand or something. So easily. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You made the money back. Yeah. Was there anything in the course you didn't expect, like uh, that you learned that you didn't expect? Um, yeah, I think. I think it changed how I looked at websites rather than the standalone businesses. I, I looked at them as just traffic assets um and i realized i can buy content businesses and then pair them up with e-commerce businesses or service businesses so that they're all like one business um and also i think adam had a lot of training around facebook groups and so did roland and so that made me realize i can also just purchase facebook groups and leverage them to um uh bring in more traffic and stuff. So yeah. there was quite a lot I didn't expect really. It, it, I think it's one of those things as well where probably three years from now I'll be doing something or I'll be doing something a certain way and I'll realize that probably that came from like just having my thinking shifted in that. Yeah. 
So can you give me an example of the how you bought these agency type acquisitions or this ecosystem? Did you start with a uh, did you start with a website first, the product, or did you sometimes say, well, let's let's get the uh, well, not the not you know, like the content, and let's get the Facebook group later, or did sometimes did you start with the Facebook group and then go buy the content to market to? It's kind of a mix. Like we had a website that was a large, it was a content website about party planning. And I realized there's just a ton of Facebook groups about party planning out there. And so we didn't manage to acquire one, but it made me realize, okay, if I can go out there and find these Facebook groups, some of them have like a hundred thousand people in. Yeah. Um, And then I had another business that had a Facebook group with 75,000 people in it. And I just hadn't really been doing anything with it because I was just like yeah it's got a big Facebook group or whatever uh, and, and so it made me sort of look at it like well hold on the Facebook group with that many people in probably has value I could try and sell advertising or I could bring traffic back to my website in a different way um, and then there were other examples like I saw Terry Wilkinson's talk about I was just like the first one he did but he mentioned in it you could pair up if you have a content site, you could pair it up with like a physical products business. And if you have physical products, you could pair it up with content. And so I reached out to him to talk about um, if you have a content website, can you launch an FBA business off it or can you pair up with an FBA business? And yeah, he had a lot of good ideas and we're trying some stuff together there. So um, yeah, it kind of just depends. We looked at what we had and was like, well, could anything like we had another content site about pet fish and we suddenly thought, well, rather than trying to find good products to affiliate with, we can just buy an e-commerce business. Or yeah. That is a completely new way of looking at it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. just that whole agency and the core and all the other areas around it, the wheel. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was really, it's really interesting. And we haven't, I can't point to like 15 things we've done as a result, but it's just changed how we've approached, how we approach things. And I'm sure we'll end up landing one deal or doing something in the next six months to 12 months where we realize like, Oh yeah, that was like something we directly learned from Epic. Yeah. Now do you, you have, uh, if you go to your website, invest on folio, uh, do you have a lot of partners? How many partners do you have? Well, it depends if you mean, Team members or investors or oh uh, yeah uh, just team members you guys uh, partners as far as like he owns fifty percent of the business I own fifty like that oh um so the way we worked was we raised equity and so originally I owned a hundred percent and then we raised just shy of a million dollars from uh, a group of investors I think it was about forty so some people put in like. 20k so just a small amount um and then the invest on folio website is actually offering preferred shares in our holding company so people can just get a fixed dividend um and again that's got about 20 or 30 people who invested in that yeah but they're just they're just investors so um in terms of like partners they don't have any say in running the business so yeah um, well the the what I'm referring to is uh, a lot of people in Epic, and now there's over a thousand people. They kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people are collaborating together and teaming up 
to say, hey, let's work on this deal. I'll give you, you know, you get this percentage, I get that percentage and let's go do it. Yeah, we, we haven't done a ton of that because we haven't really needed to. We already had our investor base and stuff, but we yeah. have we have done some business with people in Epic. Like I mentioned, we were working on something with Terry and um, someone else brought deals to us. Um, so I think for us, it would be more operations. Like if someone has a business and we have a business, we could work together. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you... Um, do you follow uh roland's rule about uh, the businesses you buy you know stays away from broker dealers or do you buy from uh empire flippers and then just take it to the next level yeah i mean we're pretty agnostic so um we have a reasonable amount of private deal flow people coming to us because i i go on podcasts and people know i'm a buyer so they'll, they'll just reach out to me and then I do buy from brokers um, if they have the business I want to buy. Uh, so a lot of the businesses on Empire Flippers don't really fit my criteria anymore. So I haven't bought one of them for a while, but it's not because I'm trying to stay away from them. It's just, I'm, I'm, you know, I, we look at Empire Flippers, we look at FA International, Quiet Light, all the other sites like Buy, Biz, Sell. Um, yeah. And if we see something good, then we'll, we'll move. Yeah. Um, because we're not, we're not strictly following the zero money out of pocket rule. We don't have to avoid brokers. Right. Um, how many businesses do you have in your portfolio now? Uh, right now we're running 38. And all of them 38. Are That's amazing. Yeah. And have you sold any? Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we sold a few off like um, just ones that were like low six figures or um, five, five figures, like 80 K that kind of thing. We haven't had a big flip because we're well. Really, we want to hold stuff forever, more like a kind of Berkshire Hathaway yeah. style model. Now, now, who manages all that? Are you got it to a lot of these parts where it's just automatic, and you watch that, or do you have somebody m- managing each one of those? Yeah, I mean, I've got twenty-seven people on my team, so oh, okay. Um, generally, I'll have a general manager who's like pretty high level uh makes a good salary and he'll run like four or five businesses if they're if they're bigger or maybe 10 if they're smaller um it's it's kind of finding the sweet spot where you can get as many businesses out of them as you can without the business's performance suffering right Um, right some of them are pretty simple and you can just like be pretty hands-off with them and others like take up a few hours a day yeah that's cool do you do you I, i see in your portfolio you have some udemy courses not yet. Yeah, we're trying to buy that one. As soon as we, as soon as we've got the money raised, we'll, we'll, we'll buy that one. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Four years ago, I was negotiating. I think it's Ismail Rickson with FEI International to purchase Rob Percival's portfolio, which was a million courses of uh, coding courses, and it was he's doing two million a year, and it had uh, about ninety-seven percent margins. It was just a cash flow cow. Yeah, I mean this one we're this one we're purchasing is smaller. I think it makes like two hundred k a year, but um, it's pretty much hands off. So um, we're just seeing it as not free money because we have to pay for it. But it's not like I have to buy the business and then hire a manager or anything. So it's it's just like instantly adding like two hundred k a year to the business. Yeah, so- I got to tell you the 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 
the strategy with the Rob Percival's courses was just to start acquiring other courses and put under it. You know, you'd have these uh, developers uh, to write a course, and if they put it up them themselves, they wouldn't make any money. They'd probably sell five courses a month. But if they sold it under Rob's umbrella, they could sell 5,000 courses a month because he was getting the bulk of the traffic. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. This business that we're buying, it's about five or six courses. And I think three of the courses were created by a subject matter expert and then they just share the profit. And so we'll just do the same thing. Like if we want to, let's say we want to create another course relevant to the core business. So the audience is the same, but you know, we'll just find someone who's great at it and say, create it, stick it under our umbrella and we can market it to our list. Cause Udemy is kind of fussy. Like you can't, you can't really take your customers or your students off Udemy and then just like spam them, but you can absolutely email them and say, Hey, we've got a new course out. And so I think there's about a, there's half a million or a million students that have gone through so we can just like bring out a new course every couple of months and and scale that way and so it, it should become a bit of a flywheel yeah inside uh, rob's courses you go through the course and he offers a free hosting for you know like three to six months that's how he gets to sell other products to them yeah, yeah that's a good idea yeah so where are you, I got a question about the Onfolio portfolio. Why, why did you uh, offer a dividend? Is that what your investors like? I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of Warren Buffett and some other investors and they eschew uh, dividends. They just like to keep the money and then allocate it to new businesses. Well, that's the thing because when we did our first raise, it was just equity and it was common shares and the common shares don't come with a dividend. Um, and so we were like, we're just going to raise money. We're going to use that money to buy businesses. Those businesses are going to pay us profit. We're going to use that profit to buy more businesses, build team, blah, blah, blah. And then a bunch of investors were like, that's awesome. But some investors said, well, I like this space because of the cash flow. So I want, I want cash flow. Um, and we said, okay, so when we do a future raise, instead of, issuing more equity and more common shares, why don't we issue preferred shares that come with a dividend? So the, and it's a fixed dividend of 12%. So it's not actually related to the profit of the business. I mean, obviously we have to be profitable to pay it, but- You need 40 uh, businesses, you need 38 businesses. Yeah. <laughs> as long as businesses can pay us more than 12%, which they do, yeah. it's fine. Um, and so now, of course, now we went back to our investors and were like, yeah, this one has a dividend. And then the investors are like, oh, well, that one doesn't have upside. I want upside. And so it's like, well, you want everything. But um, basically the idea is if people want upside, like Warren Buffett style, they should buy the common shares, which currently aren't on offer, but will be again in the future. But if they want cash flow, 12% is actually a pretty good return. And so a lot of the people who are buying preferred shares are just people looking for retirement income or so they're not really entrepreneurs who are like, I can run businesses myself. They're more like people who are like, Hey, I've got a million dollars sitting in the bank making negative interest. I'll invest in your portfolio. The downside is protected and 12% is nothing to sniff about. No, it's not, not at all because if it's in a bank, it's yeah. a 0%. Yeah. 
And then that means that our common shares can appreciate more because we're not issuing more common shares and diluting them. So uh, it's great for the common shareholders and it's great for people that want cash flow. Um, yeah. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years, we'll say, well, let's issue some more common shares because it makes more sense. Um, so we, we're just we're just going with preferred shares right now and we'll see see how, how that goes. Yeah. So let's say you had 38 businesses and I'm just going to guess like each one of them doing a million a year. I, I don't know, but uh, you know, 38 million, do you have any plans to go public or? Yeah, we actually, so the common shares, the plan is that we'll go public later this year, maybe Q3 we'll file. So like quite soon. Um, so rather than trying to get really big, like Thrasio doing a big IPO, we're going to do a direct listing on the OTC markets. And then um, the, the common shares will still be thinly traded and they'll be like low in value, but because we'll be a public company, it'll make it a lot easier to raise money. And then it's liquidity. Uh, Investors want liquidity. As well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and also sellers, because we can go to a seller and say, hey, we can give you like, oh, you want to sell this business for $5 million. We can give you 5 million or we can give you, 1 million cash and 4 million shares. Um, and then they can Google us and see like, oh, you're actually an SEC reporting entity, like you're, you are public. Um, and then when we want to recruit team members, we can give them stock options. So there's a lot of- A lot of upside benefits of going public. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then once our profit gets higher, we'll probably, I don't know, 5 million in profit or 10 million. Then we'll say, actually, let's switch up and go onto NASDAQ. and. Yeah, then, get to your four dollars a share, and uh, you know your assets is at a certain level. Yeah, and your trading volume, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of people said, "Why don't you stay private and then go public later?" And we we could do it that way, but we think we'll grow faster if we go public sooner rather than later. So, that's, I, that's how yeah, I'm a big believer you should go public sooner because there's so many things in the market happening right now. I mean, you you have access to eyeballs, millions and millions of eyeballs very simple to get in front of. And then there's so much capital right now available. So if I looked at your business, I go, man, I got, I got a content business, e-com business with big email list. And the people that may buy your stock, let's say you did a reg A and raise money. Uh, you can go right to the reg A and right to your customers, 38 different businesses and say, hey, I know you love our product. Would you be interested in buying the common stock at X amount of shares? And I, I think you got a good, I think you got a great story there. Yeah, we're going to, I can't do a reggae based outside the US. So at some point when the pandemic eases, I'll probably relocate to the US as well, because I think reggae is amazing, especially if a, a lot of our audience aren't accredited. Um, and if reggae, if the shares are going to be listed, then there's no limits on what, people can invest as well in reggae. So, yeah, up to $75 million total. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's a year, I think. So, I mean- For a year, that's right. Would, yeah. Uh, 75 a year would, would put us in a pretty good position. Um, so, yeah, it's a- uh, The more I learn about reggae, the, the more amazing I think it Yeah, is. we should talk later. I've, I've, we've done a number of reggae's and I have a private equity investor that will invest in reggae's. That's cool, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, and the course, you recommend the course to other people in your spot or was it just kind of an accidental type? I, I found this course on easy. I'm, I'm referring to the Epic course because I love it. Yeah. 
Um, no, I have recommended it. Um, at one point, I was going to be an affiliate for it and email it out, but I just uh, those affiliate emails sneak up on you. They're like, "Hey, hey, May or now we're we're launching," and then and then you uh, they've already launched. <laughs> and you're like, "Website I didn't prepare." Um, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend the course. Um, yeah, I signed up as an affiliate. I signed up as an affiliate and I, I put one post in and LinkedIn talking about it and some other stuff, content, just about what I love. I think I've sent three, two or three people over there. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the, um, the trends Facebook group and someone asked about it and I was like, I think I just told the story about like, yeah, I made my two grand back in a week or something. And I think a bunch of people signed up based off that. So didn't use an affiliate link, but I'm sure, I'm sure, um, the, there's some people in Epic who were there because of me. So. Yeah. So let me go back to this, how you purchase a company now, because, you know, I'll look at the conversations on the Facebook group or the uh, Epic uh, Challenge and the Epic Accelerator and the Epic Elites. And it's different because a, a lot of people in the Accelerator Challenge think, you know, uh, no money down. It's not no money down. It's no money out of pocket. H how do you look at, when you see a business, how you structure that with, let's take an example, a million dollar, million business and it's content business. How, how would you structure that? I know that's everyone's different, but. Yeah. So for us, I mean, it really depends where it is. Cause if we're working with a broker, then it's really hard to, you know, structure something. Uh, a lot of, a lot of sellers are expecting all cash or like 70% cash. Um, and the thing about Roland's rule or Roland's teaching is um, if you can do no money out of pocket, then, you know, that's amazing. And it's great for people that don't have access to capital, but you don't necessarily need to do that. So for us, because we have access to capital, if we want that business and the seller's like, I want cash, then we'll just be like, okay, we'll pay cash. And so, um, especially as once we're public, there'll be a multiple arbitrage as well, because we'll be buying businesses for three X, four X, but we might be trading at 10 X, 20 X. So. It, oh yeah. It goes up to 24 X. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we're, when we're on like the OTC markets, I think 24 would be a stretch, but on NASDAQ, like absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're right on that one. Um, but either way. Um, so we, we kind of don't have to use no money out of pocket. So a lot of the time we'll just do what we need to do to get the business. Um, so what we might do is just some of the standard stuff that Roland teaches, like like a deferred down payment, or we'll just use, let's say 30% seller financing. I did one deal actually, before we changed to a holding company and decided to go public. Uh, the first deal I did sort of post Epic was, we bought the business for 600K and it was, 400k it was 200k up front and 400k over two years and so i had some investors who wanted to come with me so basically the investors put in the 200k and we said we'll just do the 600k as a seller note uh, the 400k as a seller note so we got uh 60 of the business um and the investors got 40 percent, but they paid for like all of the initial capital and we're just paying monthly out of the cash flow so we're also carrying the risk. Like if the business goes down, we have to pay the sellers forever. Um, right. Yeah. But we, we, we got that with zero money out of pocket. Um, and I think if we were going to do it again, we would even offer 
something Roland talked about a lot that I think is very doable is you get someone like let's say you find a seller who agrees to 60% cash and 40% over time, um, which you could probably find in a business that's over a million. Because obviously if it's a 500K business, they're like, there's so many buyers, they, the seller can be fussy. Um, and I'm not really dealing with distressed buyers. So that's another difference for me. Um, but yeah, if you could get someone who says, okay, I'll take 60% cash and 40% over time, whatever you negotiate, you could get investors to pay that 60% cash in exchange for like 49% equity so that you basically get 51%, you get controlling stake and you're paying nothing out of pocket. I think if an investor said, that's not fair, I'm paying 60% and only getting 49, you're just like, well, I'm going to work for free or, you know, so I'm going to manage the business in exchange for- And I'm going to 10X the business with what I know. So- So it's come along for the ride. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as you can find the investors and I was fortunate because I spent two years building an audience. So I've, I've got, I've got like thousands of people on my email list. So I, I, I have the demand that I could do that. Um, but I think that's probably the easiest deal for people in Epic to do is get someone else to pay for the down payment or whatever the seller wants up front, And then, but for, not one dollar for one, you know, like not one for one for the dollar for the equity, and then yeah, yeah, it's a good way of increasing your stake. Um, and I thought about some other things as well, like I, um, so I have a relationship with Ezoic, which is a display ad company, and they they said to me if I migrate any businesses from another display ad company like Mediavine or AdThrive they'll, and I switch to Ezoic, they'll guarantee the revenue will be the same uh, because they're like, we can beat their revenue. So we guarantee it will be the same and then we'll work hard to beat it. And one thing I was thinking is I wonder if I could go to Ezoic and say, hey, if you put up some of the money, I'll buy this business and migrate it across to you guys and you can get paid back first. I think it's a great um, idea. Have you I tried it? We, no, because I... Um, we raised a bunch of money and didn't need to, but I think, <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a good idea. And I think there's probably other companies that would be interested in doing stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was funny because I was going through Epic when I, I think I had a three or four month old daughter and being in Taiwan, I couldn't make any of the live calls just because of the time zone. Um, so I was listening to the recordings the next day and I was typically like, walking around my bedroom rocking my daughter to sleep uh-huh. with, with just like light bulbs and ideas firing off in my brain like for an hour and uh, listening to Roland on 2x speed um, and uh, so I'd have to try and hold all this stuff in my brain and then when she went to sleep and I put her down in the crib I had to quickly go and write everything down so yeah, yeah. that's great nice story yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that I tried and then we just kind of went, oh, we're doing something different now. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Um, but I think if anyone's going through the course wondering if, if all the things Roland talks about are doable, I think they are. I do think the key is you need a, a motivated seller though because we had one, we actually bought one e-commerce business in December 
and it was an epic deal. I didn't even realize it, but he, I hired away this guy, this employee to come and work for me. And he told his boss, I'm going to leave, but I'll, I'll stay and train my, uh, my replacement. And the boss said, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to retire. Um, do you guys just want to buy the business? Um, it was making 120 K a year. And so he said, you can buy it for 120 K and you just pay me 10 K a month for a year. Oh my God. That's perfect. There's a, there's a ton of Epic people that would have loved to see that come in their lap. Yeah. And for me, I was like, I was like, I don't know if I want this business. And then I looked at the numbers and was like, wait, that's a no bank. That's a no brainer. That's a free business. Um, yeah. And so I, we said, sure. And then, and of course we've grown the business now. So now at the time the business was making 10 K a month. So it was paying for itself. Now it's making, I think 15 K or 20 K a month. So it's, it's just free revenue. Um, and uh, it makes enough money that we got a strike uh, working capital loan to buy more inventory so it can grow. And so the other day I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, that's exactly what like Roland teaches, except I didn't seek it out. It, it came to me. Um, but I think it's a good story because people, people in Epic can know these deals are out there. And I found one without even looking. So if you look, I'm sure you can find some. Yeah. Hey, what's the hardest part of this whole process of putting you know, uh, deals in your pipeline at the start, having the conversation and moving down the pipeline where you have two to two to three deals. What's the whole, what's the, um, for you? I think in the beginning, it's, you don't even know where to start. So yeah. you think, should I contact brokers? Should I try and build some credibility? Uh, should I just start randomly like cold calling businesses? Um, and what I did was I started building an audience. So I, I just was buying some businesses and I started blogging about it and sharing in Facebook groups and trying to get on like buy business podcasts and stuff. And once you build an audience, it grows your credibility. And also it people start bringing businesses to you. Um, so not everyone wants to do that. It takes time. Not everyone needs to do that. That's just kind of what I did. So got a little bit of survivorship bias. Um, that's a great tip it really is yeah, I mean yeah yeah I mean for me I would do that every time because it's what I'm good at but I I'm not gonna go and say to every 1,000 people in epic oh you need to start a blog uh, um, but actually I think there's a lot of material in there already about how to get started and there's there's a lot of there was that service that started out I think in the middle of epic to um, was it Peter that did the service where you could Yeah, Peter Lang. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get the M&A done for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, you have to spend a fair amount of cash to get it started, but one deal will... will Make up for the three to six months. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then some. So it's like, what, six months is... I don't even know what the price is anymore because I think it went... I don't long. know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you do one good deal that then the first month of that deal will pay for the, the course. Yeah. hundred um, percent makes sense. So it's a $5 million business. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, maybe I should check it out again, actually. I got a question about, I got a question about multiples, you know, uh, Roland prints out a, even a multiples by industry. And I, uh, 
And the reason I bring this up, because I was looking at it, it goes like online services, internet, e-commerce marketplace is 19.63 for EBITDA. And I, I go, you know, that's, I, I had an e-commerce business. I sold hearing aids and I sold it through Empire Flippers. And it definitely wasn't 19.3. It was like more like uh, 2.4 to 4, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I think a lot of that research came from TechCrunch or um, no, uh, Crunchbase. And yeah. probably this, the internet service businesses that are on Crunchbase probably are going for 19x. But the, um, the ones on Empire Flippers, the average is a lot lower. In fact, Empire Flippers have this tool. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I used it today. And it was, I was sp- spot on. I said, I. Card, yeah. Board. Um, yeah, and it's like the average is, well, it's not loading, but anyway, um, the average is, the average actually has accelerated since the start of the pandemic, which is annoying, but um, yeah, it's probably three to four X. You, you will see some listed at five, but I don't think anyone's paying five. Um, no, that's, it, that's gotta be, you know, a one hour per month or one hour per year, consistently revenues in management place, everything's automatic. Yeah. And I wouldn't buy a business that just runs on Google traffic for 5X. Like if it was a service business or it was something that had uh, a large amount of email subscribers and um, a Facebook group or something, then yeah, you pay 5X or, or even higher. But a lot of these businesses, they're one Google update away from getting wiped out. And so right. the risk, I think the risk has actually increased because Google's updating a lot more aggressively. Um, and so if the risk has increased, the expectation of return has decreased. That doesn't make sense. Like it, the, the multiples are going up, so the returns are going down, but the risk isn't going down. In fact, the risk is going up. So if anything, the multiples should stay the same or go down. But there's so much demand that, of course, multiples are going to go up. And so for me, it's frustrating, but, um, you know, we just... You get just manage through the up and down cycles. I mean, it's just, it's there. It's like dollar cost averaging at some point, you know, I average over 20 years for Forex. Yeah. Yeah. And, And also for us, the multiples are kind of a relative as well. So if you're... I'll overpay for something that's amazing. I'm not, like when I first started working with investors, I had someone who said to me, I'm not going to pay anything more than 2X for a business. And I said, so you're just going to get a garbage business um, unless you get lucky. But really the the multiple is not something people should fixate on as long as, you know, if the numbers can work. So for us, if we saw an amazing business that we know we can grow and it's super stable and we need to pay over the average to get it then yeah. that's what we'll do and you know it, i think every single podcast i've been on I've, I've referenced this warren buffett quote about it being better to buy a good business for a fair price than a fair business for a good price and so that's right yeah we we have that in our in our veins and so um yeah it, it does suck when multiples go up but as long as the quality <laughs> of businesses goes up with them then yeah it kind of nets up uh, that's great. Uh, Dom, I mean, I, I really appreciate the time you spent on this. I mean, I talk to Epic members all week and I love helping them because I love this part of it. And, 
your experience really helps because it it's just you can come from anywhere to do this yeah yeah that's true um yeah i've probably had a different entry from the traditional route but um yeah that just validates that you don't have to follow Roland's blueprint to a T, you can use it to inspire you to figure out what's going to work for you. And customize it a bit. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Man, I, I wish you the best of success with your business on Folio. And, uh, you know, at some point offline, we should talk about that Reg A because that's what we do. And I've got a private equity firm that uh, will come in on there. All right, awesome. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah that's good. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Tom. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.